You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. We are in the study of the book of 1 Peter. So if you have a copy of God's Word with you, I encourage you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to work through verses 13 and 17, uh, 13 through 17 here this morning. Um, If you don't have a Bible with you, no worries. Uh, We encourage you to grab that Black Pew Bible right in front of you. You can turn it to page 1015. You're going to be able to follow along with us as we work through um, this really important portion of Scripture today. Um, For those of you who have been with us, we've been studying 1 Peter since since August. And Peter, through the first part of the book, is building this um, theology for his readers to believe. He reminds them of these really critical truths That, hey, you have an inheritance in heaven, protected and waiting for you, for those who are followers of Jesus, for those who have believed believed in Jesus Christ for their salvation. And he he goes on and talks about trials, right? And he says, hey, these fiery trials that are coming, they're actually for your good. Like, they're they're to, like, um, take your life and make it as gold, to, to chip away those sinful things within your life and to make you more like his son, Jesus. And last, over the last couple weeks, we talked about some of the benefits that we have as followers of Jesus, that we are, we are a royal priesthood, a chosen nation, a, a people for God's own possession. And last week, um, the two things that we talked about that we need to remember as we enter into a world that does not believe in Jesus, that does not follow after Jesus, we need to, to remember, one, that we are part of God's people. And as it says in Scripture, we are a people of God's own possession. So that means that, that God has the authority to speak truth within, our, within and to our lives. If he, if he is our ruler and our authority, that means that he has the opportunity to speak into us and that we have the, the obligation to obey. And we also talked about last week that, listen, we are called for a greater purpose than, than just living out our best life now. But we are called to proclaim the goodness of God, his virtues, his character. We are are called to proclaim the good news of the gospel that Jesus Christ has come to save a sinful humanity and offer eternal life to anyone who believes in him. And lastly, we we are called to give people a reason to believe the gospel. Now, in this portion of Peter and over the next few chapters as he finishes up this letter, Peter is going to build on those things that he has taught his readers and say, listen, this is how you live them out in various situations within your life. I remember growing up um, when I was in college, a lot of our classes, especially like science classes, you would have an actual class in the beginning of the week, but then you'd also have a lab attached to that class where you take the things that you learned about and actually put them into practice. Well, here in in this part of 1 Peter, especially chapter 2, 2 and 3, Peter is calling us to step out of the classroom and step into real life. And he goes on and begins talking about these are specific life scenarios where you take the truths that we just talked about and you now apply them and live them out in each and every just daily situations as you go about and live your lives. And so this portion, verses 13 through 17, Peter talks about submitting to government. Peter talks about addressing the issue, how do we respond to a government, whether good or bad, how do we respond in a way that, that is God-honoring and will draw people to his son, Jesus. And we're going to see today that God causes people simply to submit to government. God causes people to submit 
to governments. And Peter is going to walk us through this portion. He's going to talk about the call to submission. Why the call, he says, listen, it's very simple. Here's the imperative. Be subject to your government. Peter is then going to talk about the case for submission. Why we should submit to our government. And lastly, the, the code of submission. How do we live our daily lives in submission to our government? And the, the thing I love about expository preaching is like, Mike and I or Dan, we didn't choose this topic to be preached at this time. We're just preaching through the book. And God in his sovereignty and his goodness oftentimes bring, brings us these portions of scripture that are so relevant to what we're going through that month or that week. And so today we're just going to focus on and dig deep into this text. How exactly do we respond to those governing authorities above us? So I'm just going to read through the text, we're going to pray, and then we're just going to dig into what this passage actually says. So 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning at verse 13, says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human in institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme, or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Let's pray. Father, um, God, we come to you today. God, just asking for wisdom, for guidance. Lord, as we study your word this morning. God, this is such a relevant topic based upon, one, what we have gone through over the last five or six months, and with, the, with Election Day coming up within the next few weeks. And God, I just pray that you would use your word today just to speak to our hearts. Um, God, this is a hard command. This is a, um, oftentimes a, a tough thing to process through. It's hard to take our biases and our culture, Lord, and put those aside and just listen and apply to your word. So, God, I pray, God, that we would recognize that we are sojourners and exiles here, that we belong to a higher kingdom, and that we are called to obey a higher king. So, God, I just pray, Lord, that you would allow your word to speak to our hearts today. And I pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. All right, church, so let's... Let's just dig right into it. Um, the first thing that we see in 1 Peter chapter 2 is this call to submission. And again, we're going to just look at verses 13 and 14 here. And it says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human in institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. See, Peter begins here with an imperative. It's a, it's a command. Let's all say that together. What, what is that command? Be what? Subject. Sometimes it's even hard to say it, right? There's something within our hearts that, no, 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 I don't want to do that. But this is God's word. It says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or the governor as sent by him, to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. The term be subject literally means to put yourself under the authority of someone else. It, it is a clear military term. For you, if you are a soldier in the military, you're going to put yourself under the authority and command 
of, of your commanding officer, what they say you're going to do, what formation they tell you to go in, you're going to, you're going to go, you're going to obey. You're going to obey what, what that commander has told you to do. It's about listening and submitting to authority. As before we dig into this passage, there are a couple other portions of Scripture that I, I just want to bring in to help us build a framework upon how we are to view our government. And the first one simply says, government is established and appointed by God. Romans chapter 13, 1 through 7 is another parallel passage that does a great job of explaining, again, what government is, what, what their role is within society, and how we, we are to follow it. But the first two verses say, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Here it is, here it is again. That, that, that's, there's that imperative, that command. For there is not authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. So Romans 13 says our government has been arranged by God. The leaders that are within our government have been appointed by God. Whether we like them or not, whether or not we have voted for them or not, God has appointed the leaders that we have in, in the White House, in the courthouse, in the state house, whatever, whatever level of government that has been put within our society, those people have been appointed by God, and that government, that authority has been arranged by God. And it doesn't matter what kind of government that may be. It doesn't matter if, you're a, if we're a democratic republic, if you are a monarchy, whatever, or oligarchy, oligarchy or whatever in between, those, that government has been appointed to and arranged by God. But notice something here. God is the ultimate authority. God is the one who has set up these governments for us. It was God who appoints leaders. It's God who institutes government. And, and God has instituted government for our good. It says that government is there to, to put down and punish what is evil and to praise and lift up what is good. And granted, I understand, no government is perfect. The only government that's going to be perfect is when Christ comes back and reigns on the throne during the millennial kingdom. But we got to understand that God is the one that put them there, and, and government is for our good. It's to protect society. It's to, it's to, again, punish those things that are evil and to lift up those things that are good. Can you imagine for one moment what would happen just on your own street, in your own town, if there were no rules, if there was no government, if there was no authority? It would be absolute anarchy. And evil would rise up and the vulnerable would not be protected. And there are so many things that even though government isn't perfect, it is still good for us. And Paul reminds us in Romans 13 that this government is there for our good. The next thing I want to just briefly mention is that rebellion should be the exception, not the rule. Rebellion should be the exception, not the rule. And listen, this one is hard for us. Because one, all of us have this, this rebellion within our heart to push back against authority. I mean, I see it in my little kids. I see it in myself. I see it, I see it all, over our, all over our culture. Remember, in the 60s and 70s, like that main, that main uh, motto of that day was what? Like, stick it to the man. 
Whatever that looks like, whatever that is, we're going to stick it to the government. And ever since those times, like that has been a, a, an undercurrent within our culture. So we take our sinful hearts and combine that with a sinful culture. And rebellion is an easy go-to move for many of us to do. But scripture reminds us that rebellion, pushed back against the government, not submitting, should be the exception, not the rule that we go by. And now listen, I know it's easy to go to some hypothetical situations. A lot of us, our minds will go to, to stories like, like Corey Ten Boom and her family during World War II. Of those of you who don't know, don't know Corey Ten Boom and her family lived in, in the Netherlands during World, World War II. And as Nazi Germany was coming through, they were rounding up Jewish people, sending them to concentration camps and killing them. So Corey's family would hide Jewish people in their attic, in their basement, and try, try to transport them into safety. And whenever we talk about submitting to government, those kinds of situations come up, and that, that's, that's the pushback. Well, what about her? And I just want to say, listen, let's be honest here. Most of us are, will never hide Jewish people in our attics. Most of us will never rise to the occasion of actually um, fighting against a government that, that is doing something immoral and unscriptural. So let's not go there. Peter is talking about everyday normal life where believers get up, go to work, pay their taxes, be involved within their communities, so rebellion should be the exception, not the role here. We should not be looking for ways to rebel and push back against the governments. And actually, if, if you look in, in all of Scripture, there are only a handful of examples of people actually, of God's people actually, actually rebelling against and not submitting to their governments. I can count really on one hand the amount of times where, where people have done that, where God's people have rebelled. And one, you, you think about the, the Hebrew midwives in the book of Exodus, who Pharaoh had, had commanded them, if a son is born, you kill it right away. And the Hebrew midwives, knowing that God, that each and every person is made in God's image and murdering, murdering children is wrong, so we are not going to do that. And they, were, they, were, they helped hide those babies, including Moses. You think of Daniel, Daniel chapter 6, where he is commanded not to pray to anyone but the king, but he prays anyway, knowing that praying to God is a command that he was commanded to do. You look at Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were ordered to what? To stand, to bow down to the golden image of the king. And while everyone else is, is bowing down around them, they, they chose to stand up. Because scripture says, you will have no other gods before me. You will not worship any other gods before me. You think of the book of Acts, chapter 4 and chapter 5, where, where right after Jesus had ascended into heaven, Peter and the apostles were, were praying, I mean, were, were preaching the gospel. And the authority said, you will no longer preach in the name of Jesus. And Peter and those apostles said, listen, we would rather obey God rather than man. They, and in each and every one of those cases, when they decided to rebel against the government, they were willing to stand up and incur whatever punishment they were going to get, but they stood up because those edicts went against, clearly against God's command. 
And so, church, the principle there simply is we should submit to authority unless it goes against God's clear commands. Let me say that again. We should submit to authority unless it goes against God's clear commands. When the government tells you to do something that God has told you not to do, or if the government tells you to not to do something which God tells you to do, that is the foundation on which we should not submit to our governing authorities. But those, especially within our government today, those are few and far between. Rebellion should be the exception, not the rule. And just because we don't like a certain policy, just because we don't like a certain candidate, or we didn't vote for that person, does not give us the right to simply rebel against them when they're not going, when they're not telling us to do something that is clearly against Scripture. Now listen, I get it. I know a lot of you are thinking, well, how do we change government? Listen, within our civil um, within our civil makeup, there are ways that we can change government. You can vote. You, you, can, you can get out. You can, you can you know, protest and all, and all these things. But listen, while you are oppo- opposing that, that law or while you are opposing that candidate, we are still called to submit to the law of the land. And even though you don't like it and even though you hope that those things change, this principle still remains, that we are to submit to our governing authorities. And when we do oppose them, as we're going to get to in just a little bit, a few other verses, we need to do so in a God-honoring, Christ-like manner that is filled with grace. All of us, all of us are guilty of slander against one of our government officials or another. Whether that be through social media, through conversations that we have, whatever that may be. We're all guilty of this, and this is something that we all are called to work on. But again, Peter speaks to everyday believers, and the principle still is we submit to the government unless it is a clear command of Scripture not to. But why? Peter, why are you calling us to submit? I want to I look at briefly verses 15 and 16 that gives us the case for submission. Why, why should we actually be doing this? And the first thing he says here, let's, well, first, why, why don't we just read these two verses together, beginning at verse 15. It says, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. So live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. So there, that, that is the text there. And the first thing that we see is that we are to submit, we submit to silence our accusers. We submit to silence our accusers. Look, look, look at me, with me again in verse 15, where it says, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. See, the Romans had all sorts of weird ideas about the Christians as Peter was, was writing this. Listen to some of the things that they thought about these believers here. Um, first, they, they, thought that, they thought that these believers were cannibals because they, with the Lord's Supper, they were partaking and eating of the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. Now, granted, we believe that those are elements reminding us of Christ's death, but obviously for someone who just hears, hey, they're eating, they're doing what? They're thinking it's what? It's really easy for people to get the wrong idea about Christianity. 
they, they believed that Christians were antisocial and did not like, did not like their culture because they, they stopped partaking in pagan festivals. They, they thought that they were against Rome because no longer would they bow down and worship Caesar as king. Um, they, they thought that they practiced things like, like incest because they called everyone their brother and sister. These are things for people on the outside who do not really know what goes on within God's people. These, are easily, these things are easier for people to begin believing. And it does not take long for us to go on social media or read blogs of people that have never stepped inside of a church before, let alone a good biblical church, can have these kind of false notions about what Christianity is and what, and what's, uh, what Jesus and following him is all about. And so Peter says, listen, the way that you can silence these ignorant people who do not know what they're talking about is by doing good. And he already had mentioned what doing good looks like. Part of that is actually submitting to the government. He said, as Christians, we should not be known as people that are always rebelling, always pushing back, that are always trying to get our, our, our own way or to create some kind of anarchy or chaos. He says, listen, live quiet lives and be willing to submit to the government around you that God has put in place. And secondly, he says, listen, you silence them by doing good works. Last week, we talked about in, in verse 12, 2 Peter 2, this thing where God has called us to live good, to, to have our lives full of good works so that we may give people a reason to believe the gospel. And part of the way that we silence our accusers is by having a life overflowing with good works. That means when you go to work, that you show up on time, that, that you work as hard as you can, that, that, that you come alongside of other people if they're having a hard time with their tasks and helping them out too, to, to put, it, put your all into that company when you are there. It talks about go, going to school when, when you are, when you are in, in your classes. That means going there, putting the work in, be, being a benefit and a blessing to your classmates. It talks about within your neighborhood just being present, um, being there to meet people's needs when you can. And as we live lives that are overflowing, and not only in submission, but in good works, that will silence those people that just think we're all nuts. And listen, we may never get to the point where they agree with us on our theology, where they agree with us where, where we stand on political issues or whatever that may be, but by us submitting and by us living lives that are beneficial in those, in those environments, they'll say, I don't believe I'll never agree with them, but man, they're a blessing to our people, and they're a blessing in our neighborhood, and they love our towns, and they love our country. That's, that's the first case. That's the first reason why we are called to submit. The second reason simply is our submission serves God. In verse 16, it says, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Church, we, we just talked about that. We just, we just sang about that. From Romans 6, again, we are no longer slaves to sin. But another aspect of our, of our Christianity as children of God, Philippians 3, 20 and 21 says that we are now citizens of heaven. And we have this tendency to believe that if this isn't my home, if I'm an exile and stranger here, as Peter has already said, if this isn't my home, if my citizenship is in heaven, then I don't need to listen to any government here because God is my king, not this government. 
And it, it, it is easy for people to think that they can go around and do whatever they want now. Think about this. If you were to get in your car and go over to Great Britain that drives on the opposite side of the road as we do and to say, hey, I'm an American and I don't care what you guys all think, I'm going to drive on the right side of the road, what would happen? You would kill people, yourself included probably. That when we decide to take our freedom and impose it on other people and not listen to the authority that is there, we can do so much damage. But look, look with me in verse 16. What are we actually called to do? And he says, but live as servants of God. And, and what, what Peter is reminding us is that, listen, the truth of the gospel is that we have been saved from sin, that we have been saved from the law, that no longer are, are, we, are we chained down here to this authority. We have, a, we have a higher king, a higher kingdom. So God and what he does, he, he brings us out of that. He, he brings us out of that submission. But what does he call us to do? To go right back into that submission. He says, be servants of God. Be, be obedient children of God. And then you've got to ask the question, well, what, what has God just called me to do? Verse 13, submit to all human authority. So God, in his goodness, through the gospel, takes us out of that. But he says, I'm going to put you right back into that as a, as a witness to the gospel. Church, Christianity has always been about giving up our rights. Our King Jesus gave up his right of heaven to come to earth, to die on a cross for you and for me and for all of humanity. And he could have said, no, 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 I, my, my right is to stay here. I am the creator of this world. But out of love for us, lay down those rights. And died a horrible death for you and for me. So just as Jesus, our leader, submitted his rights, we are called as servants of God to lay down our own rights and submit to the government that God has appointed here. And some of the, one of the strongest apologetics and witness for the gospel is when we as believers willingly lay down our rights and obey the government when it doesn't call us to disobey scripture. And there is plenty of that to do. But lastly, the code of submission. This is verse 17 here, the code of submission. Verse 17 says, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, brotherhood fear God, honor the emperor. Now listen, a code is a set of guidelines that you live by. They're principles to live by. And some of the codes within our household simply are this. One, groceries should all be taken in, taken in, in one trip. I don't care how many groceries there are, we are going to do it in one trip. Which only ends up with Melanie carrying a ton more than me, because she is, she is amazing. But we all, that's our goal, we always do it in one trip. Secondly, Whoever is last out of a room turns out all of the, the, uh, the lights. I am a light Nazi. That light, if that light is on, no one's in the room, it's off. And that's just what we do. Third, whoever smells the, the dirty diaper changes it. Sometimes that means me avoiding Caleb at, at moments. But whoever smells it, listen, it's your duty to change it. And lastly, trash must be pushed down at least twice 
before I will take it out. We will get every last inch out of that bag. Peter here gives us this code of things to follow and live by. All right, if we're going to obey and live in submission, what are some things, what are some principles that we actually should be living by? And he gives us four things. The first one is honor everyone. Everyone. Honor means lifting them up, giving them dignity, showing them respect. Because the biblical truth is, whether you like them or not, whether they agree with you completely or not, they are one of God's children. And they are made in his image. And because of that fact, we are civil with people. Because of that fact, we do not, we do not attack them. But we, we can disagree, but we do not go into attack mode and automatically attack their character because of their voting policies or who they're going to vote for, whatever that may be. We honor honor everyone. Listen, let's be real. The gospel is offensive enough, is it not? Let people be mad at. Let people be offended by the gospel of Jesus, which tells them that they're a sinner, that tells them that they cannot save themselves, that tells them that they need someone else to, to, to mend their relationship with God. Let that be offensive, but let our, let our behavior not be the thing that turns them off from the saving message of Jesus. Honor everyone. Secondly, it says, love the brotherhood. We should have a high commitment and a high connection to other believers, even if we don't see eye to eye with them. That means that, that no matter where we stand with people, that means that no matter where we're at on the spectrum within other believers, we love them. Because church, there will be a time where, we're, where we will face and experience real persecution and let, let us not now tear down our, those relationships and start shooting ourselves in the foot. We've got to remember that we're all on the same team here. And that means we meet people's needs when we can. That means that, that we're praying constantly for the unity within our church. We love those other Christians that God has placed within our lives. Thirdly, we're called to fear God. And notice how fear is put to God and not to the government. I love that. We, we, we are called to do something for the government that we're going to talk about in just a moment, but we're called to fear God. We should be in awe and respect of who God is and what he has done. And we should worry about what God thinks about our lives more than our government or more than the world does. But I think the thing that we also need to be fearful of when it comes to God is that we need to be fearful that the things that we fight for are things from God's kingdom and not our own. That if we're going to fight and if we're going to push back and not submit to the government, it's because of things that God has clearly showed us to do, not something that is going to protect ourselves. We fear God rather than man. And lastly, it says, honor the emperor. We are to honor, pray for, and submit to all of our governing authorities. And that is true whether we voted for that person or not, whether we support their agenda or not, whether, whether we agree with their policies or not, but we give honor to them as God, as God has appointed them and has commanded us. And as servants of God, we're called to honor the emperor. I'm not saying that we can't voice our opinions. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying that when we do, we do so in a Christ-honoring, God-fearing, bathed-with-grace way. And that people would know that one, that we love God first and that we love others no matter what.
I remember growing up having these conversations with, with my grandparents. And I've lived long enough where there be, there's people that we were excited to be in office and some people that, that we weren't as excited to be in office. And my grandparents were very involved in politics. My grandfather was on, was on the, the, the town council. Um, he knew what was going on. He, he had connections. He disagreed with people on, some, on, on a lot of things, but he always said before he took it too far. He always said that they are put in place by God and called to honor them. So I'm going to stop right there. So church, to wrap this all up, God calls his people to submit to governments. And I want to, today to have two questions going through our minds as we leave today. One is simply this, how, what can I do for my governments? What can I do? We're always talking about what, what I can't do. But there are so many things that we can do for our government. We can make a difference within our communities. We, we can be a proponent for civil discourse and not just crushing people online or, or through social media. What can I do to be in support of the government that God has put in place? And secondly, what good can I do in my communities? Again, how can I benefit those people that do not know the Lord around me? Church, as I just call up the praise team as we finish up just now, I want to just read 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 4, um, just as a prayer for us and for our church, and just to give you another example of what God has called us to do. 1 Timothy 2 says, First of all, then I urge you that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Again, our submission is linked to the salvation of others. So church, God calls us to submit to government, to bring glory to him, and to give people a reason to believe the gospel. So let's pray. Father, God, I thank you, Lord, for this portion of scripture. Lord, that was a lot to chew on, a lot to process through, God. But Lord, I just pray that, that your spirit would work with your word and it would work on our hearts, Lord. That we would see our response to government, God, as a, as a command by you and a way for other people to believe the gospel, Lord. God, Lord, we look forward to the day where you're going to come back and make all of this right and rule justly and righteously and where evil is going to be condemned, God, and good is going, to, is going to be promoted like it's never been before. But God, until that day comes, may the gospel work in our hearts, and may we just simply step out in faith and obey the command, Lord, that you've given us this morning. So God, we love you, and we look forward again to your coming back. And I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.